You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and we've got quite a bit of news for today's show. Uh, the big news in baseball over the last day or so has been the big, big Jay Bruce trade going to the Cleveland Indians in exchange for minor league righty Ryder Ryan. Say that five times fast. Uh, so that uh, you would think would open up a spot in the Mets lineup for Dominic Smith, but uh, I've not seen anything yet about his call-up. Although there were reports a few days ago that it was not quite imminent, but should be soon. I haven't seen anything about that, but we've certainly seen the news about Reese Hoskins, uh, first base prospect for the Phillies, who is going to play left field, made three starts in the minor leagues and never played there before up until uh, three days ago. And so Hoskins has been called up by the Phillies, and not only that, the Phillies lineup just came out. Hoskins is in left field, and he is batting seventh, uh, right behind Tommy Joseph, the player that maybe uh, he eventually supplants. But right now you got them both in the Phillies lineup. So uh, that is big fantasy news, because whereas Bruce uh, moving from the Mets to the Indians, it's, it's definitely a big deal if you're an NL or AL-only owner. But uh, for mixed leagues, I think that's uh, going to be Largely a lateral move, maybe a slight upgrade for Jay Bruce. But Reese Hoskins, you get somebody brand new to uh, to add to your team if you haven't done so already. And I, I love the skill set. Uh, he has great plate discipline, doesn't strike out a whole lot, and a ton of power. And that's power that actually carried over and even improved from Double uh, A Redding, which is a just a crazy uh, power hitting ballpark. Uh, to AAA Lehigh Valley. So there's a whole lot there to love about Reese Hoskins, and he is in the Phillies lineup tonight. Uh, other big news, uh, not uh, news that we fancy owners wanted to see, Wilson Contreras uh, scheduled to go on the DL. He left yesterday's game early, has a hamstring strain. He's uh, scheduled to get an MRI today, uh, but it's possible, according to USA Today, that he could be out till sometime in September. So that's uh, you know bad news, uh, especially for a catching uh, core that was thin to begin with. Uh, Salvador Perez out uh, for for several weeks, most likely. Uh, we've got Evan Gaddis on the concussion DL. So uh, more bad news as uh, you try to find a uh, fantasy catcher, and hopefully uh, uh, Contreras will uh, hopefully he'll he'll beat that estimate uh, and be back sooner. But uh, anyways, lots more news to get to. Uh, besides that, uh, some other injury news, some players coming back from injury. And I'm going to talk on the show today about two very, very puzzling players, a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, try to make sense of them. So stick around. Be a lot to dig through today. Uh, hope you join me for all of it. And I will be right back just after this break.
In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galina picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And over that last break, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss any kind of Dominic Smith uh, news. So I have for you the uh, live look in here on the Dominic Smith update. Ah, well, nothing yet. Nothing yet about Dominic Smith, but I'm sure uh, it won't be long. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, let's get back to some real news here. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, just fresh off the DL uh, on Wednesday, had uh, to leave early with a foot contusion. Uh, does not appear to be as serious as uh, initially thought, uh, but I have not seen anything about what for for sure if he's going to make his next start. I had uh, seen some things that that was at least a possibility uh, for Jake Odorizzi. Uh, Clint Frazier has been sent to the DL with an oblique injury. That clears room for Aaron Hicks to be activated. So um, that's a, a good fantasy option to have once again. And uh, Joey Rickard, very, very scary moment, uh, took a Troy Scribner pitch uh, right to his helmet, right to around where the, the ear flap is. Uh, he is set to be evaluated today. But considering how frightening that that looked last night, uh, looks like there's there's some hope that uh, Rickard will be you know be okay. According to Buck Showalter on uh, the post game interviews, uh, he said all indications are good now. So that's a very very encouraging thing, and hopefully uh, Joey Rickard is going to be uh, just fine after uh, taking that pitch to his head. Uh, Michael Fulmer could uh, be activated off the DL in time to make. Uh, a start on Tuesday next week at the Rangers. That would actually just be his normal spot, which was held down last time by Drew Verhagen. So uh, Michael Fulmer, maybe a very quick return from the DL for him. George Springer back. He was activated yesterday. Been uh, monitoring that one pretty much day by day. Finally uh, off the DL yesterday and went one for four uh, at the White Sox. A uh, game that uh, overall did not go so well for the uh, for the Astros um, on CC Sabathia. He had an MRI done on his knee, came up clean. So good news, although no word on whether he can make his next start. And Mark Melanson, uh, he's been uh, making some relief appearances uh, on rehab assignment. Uh, his last one, which I believe was on Tuesday, actually went very well. Pitched a clean inning for uh, San Jose in the Cal League. And based on that good performance, uh, there have been some reports that Melanson could return this weekend. And, hey, it's Thursday, so the weekend really starts tomorrow. So perhaps the Sam Dyson era uh, for the Giants as as their closer, that might be done already. And Dyson did uh, very, very nicely there uh, after a difficult beginning of the season with the Rangers. So uh, as I mentioned 
at the top of the show, a couple of players that I'm going to uh, be focusing some time on here today uh, in terms of really, really puzzling performances. Players who have uh, been around a little while doing some things this year and particularly lately that we wouldn't have necessarily expected. Uh, one of those is Trevor Bauer. And <laughs> he had certainly one of the more notable per, uh, pitching performances on Wednesday. But uh, before I get to Trevor Bauer, I know it's much less uh, probably interesting to most fantasy owners, but got to kick things off here. I'm talking about Bartolo Colon. Seven scoreless innings at the Brewers. He's now had three quality starts in a row. He's got 2.82 ERA over those three starts. Uh, so certainly helped to pad that ERA with uh, seven innings of goose eggs against the Brewers. Just gave up five hits and one walk with five strikeouts. And I don't know that there's necessarily a whole lot different about the version of Bartolo Colon that we've seen last few starts as opposed to earlier in the year. Certainly the results have been night and day. Uh, but he's still allowing a lot of hard contact. And he's still he's still the pitcher. He's been... For, for quite a few years now, which is he throws a ton of strikes, doesn't get a lot of walks, and if he's not going to give up too many hits, like lately, he actually is a, is a real asset for whip because of the great control. So um, I'm not sure how much longer this can go for Cologne with him uh, you know, not giving up a lot of hits, a lot of extra base hits in particular. But he does have, you know, we saw this with the Mets, where he would have stretches where he just looked like he was done, and he'd come back and have several weeks of, of really good, reliable performances. So uh, we cannot completely write off Bartolo Colon just yet, and I, for one, am very, very happy about that. Uh, Trevor Bauer, back to him. He also went seven innings, allowed just one run against the Rockies, uh, gave up seven hits, no walks. Always like to see that from Bauer, and nine strikeouts. So this is his third start in a row for Bauer, where he's gone at least seven innings and given up exactly one run. And that's uh, over a combined span of 22 innings across those three starts. He's gotten 22 strikeouts, which, you know, we're pretty accustomed to Bauer helping with the strikeouts, but only three walks. And he's been not getting a whole lot of uh, of swings lately so 23 percent called strike rate over those three starts it's not like he's uh been bad but it's not like he's been you know great in terms of getting swings and misses so he's been been freezing batters at a rate that's uh, been unusual for bauer so it's only three starts i'm sure if i went back through his stats went back through his game logs could probably find stretches of you know five or six games where it looked like he was going to break out. It seems like we've signaled the Trevor Bauer breakout alarm quite a few times over his career. And he's 26 now. He's at a phase where you figure he's he's settling in to who who he's going to be. And if we had to characterize Bauer right now, if I had to characterize him, I'd say, yeah, this is somebody who can probably get you about a strikeout per inning, probably uh, you know over the longer haul, maybe a little below that, but but close enough. Uh, but he's going to have control issues, and he's going to give up way too many extra base hits. That just hasn't been the case lately. So uh, I'm I'm not buying in yet, and it has nothing to do with anything from his recent performance that just looks fluky and unsustainable. It's just so out of line with what we've seen for for a few seasons now, for from Bauer. And you know, we look. This is August now. 
we are now rolling into the middle of August. We're about to roll into the final quarter of the baseball season. So uh, I can certainly say I have been fooled by many, many players this year <laughs> who have you know gone a whole month and look like a totally different player and, and say, oh, yeah. This is this is it. You know, this is this is the breakout. This is this is a real change. They've been doing this long enough. The change is extreme enough. Uh, and then they they ultimately go back to who they were. And I'd say probably the most uh, blatant example of that of me getting fooled would be Jason Vargas, where he started off the year. He was getting swings and misses and ground balls two two things that we're not really accustomed to seeing to seeing from rather uh, Jason Vargas. Uh, and then eventually the swings and misses disappeared and then the ground balls disappeared or maybe it was the other way around. I don't even remember anymore. But the point is that now for uh, probably a couple months or so, he's been Jason Vargas, which is a fantasy relevant pitcher, especially with Kauffman stadium as a home park, but he's going to blow up sometimes just like he did in his last start. He's not necessarily going to be consistent. He's not going to necessarily be reliable based on the venues. Although I think more often than not, He's the sort of pitcher uh, who does have the good enough control uh, and, and the fly ball tendencies to get outs on balls in play that you give him a big enough park to pitch in. Vargas is going to be just fine. But I'm at the point now where I understand he's not going to be any more than that. So I, I'm not ready to buy into Trevor Bauer as this uh, you know Aaron Nola version 2.0 who's just going to freeze batters left and right and have great ratios all the way around, which is what we've seen from NOLA lately and what we saw from NOLA over several starts at the beginning of 2016. So for, for NOLA, it's more the pattern than the outlier. And with Bauer, it's, it's much more the other way around. So certainly watching, you know, another start or two like this. Maybe it's too late at that point to do something about it. I'd rather play it safe and watch it safely with him, either on waivers or on somebody else's roster then take the chance that he becomes the Trevor Bauer that we've known for several years in his, in his next start. Uh, Martin Perez, another pitcher. This, we're going to go on sort of a string of pitchers now who didn't walk anybody on Wednesday. So Bauer was one. Martin Perez, another. He went eight innings. Uh, as I said, no walks, five strikeouts, just three hits, just one run against the Mets. Very, very strong outing from Perez. That's a pretty nice matchup for Perez because the Mets are about as lefty-loaded is any team, although they now have one less lefty than they used to, with Jay Bruce going to Cleveland. But uh, I will talk more about Perez, Adger Wojciechowski, Troy Scribner. Uh, none of them walked anybody. And uh, a bunch of other pitchers, too. So stick around. I'm going to head to break, but then I'm going to come right back. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior. Tried to come up with a cool name off the top of my head, like Jay-Z, you know, Al, I don't know, Al Melk. Couldn't do it. I choked. Anyways, thank you for sticking with the show, despite this terrible lead-in. Let me divert your attention by telling you that you can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. You've just got to download the Fantasy Sports Radio app and iTunes Store on Google Play, and then you can listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill or Greg Sussman on the subway. You can even relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. You just got to go out and get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now on the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and then... You can take the experts with you. I also like to mention uh, that this show, like all of the shows on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, are now also available on the TuneIn Radio app. I just downloaded it earlier today. It's pretty cool. A lot of great content on there and uh, gives you a new way to listen to uh, shows on this very network. So uh, check that out. Uh, Also, let's check out lineups and weather. Uh, of course, we got two games in progress right now, Padres-Reds, Pirates-Tigers, but we've also got three lineups that include the Phillies, which you know because we know that Reese Hoskins is in that Phillies lineup, batting seventh and playing left field. Uh, we got the Rays lineup out. They're going to be uh, facing off against the Indians and Danny Salazar at 7-10 at the Trop tonight. Lucas Duda back in there after dealing with uh, a minor finger injury. He's batting second and DHing against Salazar. Uh, White Sox lineup is out. That's uh, Carlos Rodon and Brad Peacock. And that one, going to talk a little bit more about that one in a second. But as far as the White Sox lineup is concerned, don't see anything too noteworthy there. And as I was speaking, the Indians lineup came out. Uh, so they'll be facing the lefty Blake Snell. And, of course, Austin Jackson's in the lineup because he hits lefties great. So does Brandon Geyer usually. I don't, I don't think his numbers are so great this year. Jan Gomes another good hitter against lefties. So lots of good options there in the, uh, in the Indians lineup. No Jay, no Jay Bruce yet, though, uh, just so you know. Uh, but, again, they're facing a lefty, uh, Blake Snell. So you've got, uh, in addition to Jackson and Geyer, you've got Abraham Almonte, who's batting ninth, and playing left field. Now, as far as that Astros-White Sox uh, game goes, uh, that is the one game that seems to have some pretty serious precipitation chance around game time, 50%. That is a 7-10 central start at, uh, let's get it right this time, guaranteed right field. And uh, actually goes up after game time. So that might be one that's due for a potential delay. And as I mentioned before, that's Brad Peacock and Carlos Rodon. A couple of pitchers I'd be kind of interested in, especially Brad Peacock. White, White Sox do not hit righties well at all. So, um, plus I just like Brad Peacock. So, there you go. Uh, that's one you definitely have to watch. And by the way, another game tonight, uh, you got the Twins at the Brewers again. Zach Davies going for the Brewers. Dietrich Enns going to make his Major League debut. And if that name sounds vaguely familiar, that's who came back from the Yankees in the Jaime Garcia trade. So he was called up. Actually, that news came out a day or two ago. But uh, initially, the reports I saw said that it was not clear whether or not Enns was going to the bullpen or the rotation. He is going to start tonight to the rotation 
for the Twins and, and ends having uh, talking about breakout seasons and whether they're you know real or fake or not. In uh, AAA, ends having a very nice breakout this year. Again, almost exclusively with the Yankees, uh, Scranton Wilkes Bar, two twenty nine ERA over seven starts with them. Um, so, uh, it's something to watch there for your deep leagues, particularly your AL only leagues. If you got a another viable arm there as he uh, takes the mound tonight against the Brewers. So let's get back to some of the pitchers who took the mound on Wednesday night. Trevor Bauer was one, as I mentioned, who had a great game, talked about his good uh, string of starts and whether or not that means anything. But there were the number of other pitchers who also had really good outings in terms of control. Martin Perez was one, didn't walk anybody over eight innings uh, against the Mets. And as I started to say, I'm not sure I finished the thought, but uh, the Mets, pretty lefty-loaded lineup, so that works pretty well for Perez. But that's the thing, is with the, with the right matchups, and with Perez, it's not always clear what the right matchups are, but certainly if he's facing a bunch of lefties, that probably helps. Uh, but he is a pitch-to-contact guy, so he does not have a whole lot of fantasy appeal. But the thing about the Martin Perez's or uh, think about like Antonio Sensatella or uh, I'm sure there are many other good uh, examples I can think of that I'm just not thinking of right this moment, who they pitch to contact, they don't throw uh, a lot of balls. So, you know, if they're, if they're on or if they have a good matchup, they can go really deep into a game. So Perez, you know, a lot of times it's, it's five innings and out for him, but sometimes he can go, he can go seven or eight. Because he's very can be very efficient and just goes right through those lineups. So that was the case. Adger Wojciechowski only lasted five and two thirds innings, but he may have that similar sort of appeal. Uh, although this year, talk, talk about minor league breakouts like Dietrich Enns, Wojciechowski was a much much better strikeout pitcher in the minor leagues this year with the Reds. Um, but he also does have very good control, and that was on display against the Padres. Granted, um, you know one of the easiest matchups there is, but uh, went five and two-thirds with six strikeouts and no walks, seven hits, three runs for Wojciechowski. So it would certainly be nice to see him put up those sorts of numbers against a team that maybe gives you more confidence. But I, I've been really interested in him and this next guy I'm going to talk about, Troy Scribner. And, of course, unfortunately, that start's probably going to be best known and, and remembered for him hitting Joey Rickard, um, who hopefully uh, will, will be okay. Um, but they both got inserted to their respective rotations right around the same time, and they have similar profiles. Uh, although Scribner, the one thing I do worry about with him is the control, but against the Orioles, not a single walk. But just like Wojciechowski, not really the best litmus test to see, well, is Scribner really going to be a better control pitcher going forward because the Orioles swing at pretty much everything. I mean, I know it's an exaggeration, but they've made, just like the the Padres have made a lot of contact pitchers look like strikeout pitchers, the Orioles have made a lot of wild pitchers, including Blake Snell, by the way, uh, look like control pitchers. So Scribner, no walks against the Orioles before strikeouts, Went five innings, just giving up one run on two hits. So a short outing for Scribner, but probably uh, still needs to get stretched out a bit, perhaps after uh, serving in relief for a little while. But uh, pitching in Anaheim, I like uh, 
the, the, the promise that he might have more so than Wojciechowski, who unfortunately is a fly ball pitcher who has to play half of his games at Great American Ballpark. So Scribner's kind of interesting. In a way, I think he could be more of the real deal than Parker Bridwell, who's also a, a serious, extreme fly ball pitcher. But he's been giving up home runs anywhere, and despite that, still has a very low ERA. So I think Scribner might might be the more sustainable of the two as a deep league option uh, who could be streamed in for those home starts. Justin Verlander, you can start him anywhere, anytime. Uh, he's been... Uh, after a stretch where he was not really pitching like an ace, he's been much more like himself lately through eight scoreless innings against the Pirates on Wednesday. Uh, just one hit allowed. Did walk three batters. That's been the only thing that you really could be at all concerned about with Justin Verlander still walking a little bit more often than you'd like to see him do. Six strikeouts uh, over those eight innings. Uh, so another nice start for Verlander. Madison Bumgarner, this was very, very encouraging. I've been kind of walking on eggshells a little bit and talking about him over his last few starts uh, since he came off the DL. Bumgarner threw seven strong innings against a Cubs team that I know has been sputtering but has been among the best teams against left-handed pitching this season, for the season to date. And... Bumgarner, in going seven innings, just allowed one run on five hits and a walk with seven strikeouts. The velocity really hasn't rebounded yet, but he's been improving, so maybe he is just making do with lesser stuff. Uh, that's good enough for me, I've got to say. For Bumgarner, uh, you know, with a pitcher of that caliber, you always figure that, uh, you know, if you could believe in anybody doing well with lesser velocity that it would be somebody of, of his caliber. Now, on the other hand, he was opposed by Kyle Hendricks, who did not have a very good start. He only lasted four and two-thirds, not really been going deep uh, lately since his DL stint. Uh, so one run, not so bad, on five hits, but three walks for, uh, for Hendricks, five strikeouts, um, again, opposing Bumgarner and the Giants. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to just kind of, toss this one out and <laughs> not really maybe maybe it becomes part of a larger string of starts that kind of forms a pattern and makes some sense that I'll, I'll worry about but right now i'm just going to disregard the start from hendrix because it's it's just so out of character he uh got 13 swings and misses against the giants team that you know, is one of the easier matchups in the majors but swinging and missing is not really a huge problem for them but he only got 15 called strikes and that's the way that Hendricks usually succeeds, and he has been doing that lately. So I've been starting to get encouraged by Hendricks. This start, eh, not very encouraging, but I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. So we'll just kind of put that one on hold and continue to start Hendricks and, and hope for the best. So anyway, uh, a lot of hitters to get to, including one who I think is the most enigmatic player in all of fantasy. Who is it? Got to stick around to find that out. So I'll be right back after the break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, and I'm your host. And uh, checking in with uh, some scores, some lineups, get back to uh, some Wednesday performances. Pirates and Tigers, oh my, uh, they are in progress right now. Pirates leading 6-3 and mentioned earlier, talking about Michael Fulmer, that Drew Verhagen has been filling his uh, slot in the rotation, was an early exit for him, just three and two-thirds, uh, six runs allowed. Uh, so, uh, all the, in fact, uh, Pirates just scored the seventh run. So it's seven to three, uh, Edward Mujica in that game now for the Tigers. Um, and then we have a final score Reds over the Padres, 10 to three, tons of, uh, home runs in that one. And it actually wasn't a bad start really for Denelson Lamette. Not a great start, but he went five innings, gave up two runs, but, uh, Brad Hand, blowing the save in that one. Been so steady all year long. And uh, he gave up home runs to Scooter Jeanette and Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Zach Cozart, Joey Votto also uh, homering in that game for the Reds. So that's uh, the afternoon baseball we've got going on for today. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, lineups, the Mets lineup is in. And... I think we would have heard something about Dominic Smith uh, being in the lineup if you were going to be in it. And sure enough, we haven't heard anything about Smith. And sure enough, he's not in the lineup. You've got Wilmer Flores again at first base. You've got uh, Granderson, Conforto, and Cespedes in the outfield. Uh, Jose Reyes playing uh, second base today. Um, so that's uh, the bulk of your Mets lineup there against the Phillies and Vince Velasquez, Jacob deGrom taking the mound for the Mets. That's a 7.05 start at Citizens Bank Park. Okay, so uh, I had mentioned that there were a couple of very enigmatic players that I wanted to try to make sense of. One of them was Trevor Bauer, who I discussed in depth earlier uh, in the show. Uh, the other is Didi Gregorius. I don't, I no matter how hard I try, and every time I go back and look at the stats again, try to look at some different things, and it still doesn't make sense to me. But uh, I want to give the two homer players their due. Uh, for Wednesday, they were Ryan Zimmerman. He hit homers 25 and 26 in a 4-for-4 four four performance, and he reached base five times because he also walked. This against the Marlins. In his previous 34 games, Ryan Zimmerman hit just 198 with five homers in 133 plate appearances, which is... You know, not totally punchless from the power perspective, but, you know, still that's about a, you know, roughly a 20 homer pace over a whole season. So certainly, uh, you know, given that he's already on 26 with more than a quarter of the season to go, that was a big, big outlier compared to all the damage that Zimmerman was doing early in the year. He has, however, struck out or had struck out, I should say, 34 times over those 133 plate appearances. So didn't strike out at all on Wednesday because he reached base every time. But uh, So that improved that ratio a little bit. But uh, that's part of the problem there with Zimmerman. I mean, I didn't go back and 
compare launch angles. Uh, I did do that a few weeks back, and launch angle was just only slightly lower during his recent uh, stretch of games. But I think the biggest problem for Ryan Zimmerman is just a few too many strikeouts. Uh, but uh, a big, big game on Wednesday, so uh, hopefully that gets him off the schneid. And the other two homer hitter, Nelson Cruz, also now up to 26 on the season. That was at Oakland. So a couple of players that you, uh, even with Zimmerman in the big funk that he's been in, a couple of players that you should be starting no matter what, especially Cruz. Uh, but Zimmerman, I think, uh, you know, he showed you enough earlier in the season that uh, you know he deserves some benefit of the doubt. And definitely after what he showed you, you could do, in that game against the Marlins. But let's get back to Gregorius. Um, Here's what puzzles me. So he's having a career year, and that's on top of last year's career year with the Yankees. Uh, On Wednesday at Toronto, he went three for five, hit his 18th home run of the season, his 17th double of the season. So we're just seeing an unprecedented level of power from Gregorius, plus he's hitting over 300. That's probably the less puzzling part because Gregorius has never really struck out a whole lot. So if he's uh, putting a, a, enough balls out of play with the home run and he's not struck out, striking out a lot, I mean, I'm still not really bought into the fact that he's a legit 300 hitter. But I could see how, with everything breaking right, that that's something that Gregorius you know, could do, not year after year after year, but but every now and then, you know, sort of when he hits the high end of... of uh, of, of the likely outcomes for from Gregorius. The 18 home runs, I just don't understand. Because that's putting him on a pace for 25 to 30 for this year, somewhere in that range. He is one of the least powerful hitters in terms of a couple of metrics. Average fly ball distance, which I know I cite a light on here, but if you want a, a backup stat, and say, well, maybe that's misleading somehow. Percentage of balls hit that are 95 miles an hour or greater in terms of exit velocity. In terms of those two metrics, he's near the very bottom um, in terms of of, uh, hitters who have reached a certain cutoff point in terms of uh, plate appearances or or balls put in play. So for, for average five ball distance, he's averaging 304 feet. That's really low. I mean, think about when I've talked about pitchers on the show inside of that stat, I've said anything that's 310 feet or lower, that's a pitcher that's doing a really good job at limiting the damage on the fly balls allowed. And Gregorius is at 304. And that lines up, again, with not hitting with a whole lot of exit velocity, not uh, making hard contact with, with any kind of consistency. And getting back to that average fly ball distance stat, Again, 304 feet. There are 163 players in the major leagues who, going into today, had hit at least 50 fly balls. So pretty nice sample size there. Uh, This, of course, is uh, StatCast data from Baseball Savant. So 163 players that have hit at least 50 fly balls. In terms of the average distance on those fly balls, out of 163, Didi Gregorius ranks 157th. 157. And the players that are at or towards the bottom are, for the most part, players you would expect to be there. Now, there are a couple of of outliers. One is Addison Russell, and another is Max Kepler. 
But what I want to remind you with those two, because you can say, oh, okay, well, average fly ball distance, maybe that doesn't mean anything because Russell and Kepler, they, they have a bit of power, but not as much power as what you've seen from Gregorius so far this year. Uh, they both, uh, I believe, also have slightly stronger pull tendencies, which would help their case. Gregorius is pretty normal. I mean, he, he, his pull tendencies are pretty normal. His fly ball tendencies are a little above normal, but, you know, not, not to a Mike Moustakis extreme. <laughs> not something where you'd say, oh, there it is, there's the answer. And if you're saying, well, Yankee Stadium, there's your answer. Well, Gregorius has hit 10 of the 18 home runs on the road. And, yeah, he goes to a lot of ballparks that are also homer-friendly. So maybe hitting in the AL East is part of it. It just doesn't quite add up, though. It doesn't quite add up for me. And this is a very long-winded way of saying I'm not really buying it. I'm not really buying it. Because I didn't buy it from Gregorius last year. I thought, okay, he's getting help from Yankee Stadium. There's no way I would start him on the road. He might be, be a nice guy to stream in for those home stands, or maybe when he's visiting Toronto or Baltimore or something like that. But... uh. I wasn't really buying it as, as genuine as a genuine power breakout for Gregorius. And here we are now almost three quarters of the way through 2017 and he's hitting with even more power. And I still cannot really buy into it. And the thing is he's putting up good enough numbers. It's not like you could just, you know, pick them up and stream them. You got them. You're, you know, or if you don't have them, you're not going to get them. If you've got them, you know, you're, I presume you're, you're just using them. And the split suggests you should just use them every week. But I don't get it. So if you all have ideas about where all this power is coming from for Didi Gregorius, I'd love to hear what uh, what your ideas are, what your theories might be about it, because I am stumped. Like, I haven't been stumped on any player this year. Zach Cozart, I kind of got myself to a, a place of some peace with thinking I understood what was going on with Zach Cozart. And he's regressed in terms of batting average, so... Uh, you know, I, I definitely at this point feel pretty comfortable with that. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, I, I got fooled on Jason Vargas. I can just admit that uh, at this point of the season. Uh, Andrew Kashner has been enigmatic but interesting, and, and there's some explanations there. Jose Urania talked about him a few shows ago. I feel like I, I, I have a beat on him and that he's better than, uh, than I probably gave him credit for. Jake Arrieta has been better than I was giving him credit for. So the, I've been able to come to peace with these other players. I can't do it with Didi Gregorius. So uh, I need some help on this one, folks, if you uh, feel like you get it. Uh, anyway, let me uh, just give you a couple of quick lineup updates as we are about to head into our final break here. Nationals lineup is out, and Daniel Murphy's back in it. So he had missed a little bit of time with a hip injury. He is in the lineup, uh, playing second, batting fifth. However, no Anthony Rendon. Uh, he is out of the lineup with an illness. So uh, just take a quick look here and make sure there's nothing else. I think pretty, I got Ryan Zimmerman in there after his big game. Adrian Sanchez had a nice game, by the way, on Wednesday. He's back in there replacing Rendon, batting eighth against Dan Straley and the Marlins. And the Marlins have their usual lineup there, except for J JT Real Muto, uh, AJ Ellis in there for the Marlins. Anyhow, that's uh, got us caught up on the lineups for right now. Got to head to break. 
Got a few other standout performances from Wednesday that uh, I want to break down. So uh, I will do that just on the other side of this break. It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREE RADIO at checkout for a very special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for the show. And uh, just going to try to wrap up here some of the uh, analysis of Wednesday performances. Uh, I've already uh, talked at great length about Didi Gregorius. Uh, earlier segment talked about Trevor Bauer. I mean, they had, for me, the most interesting uh, performances yesterday, ones that could really make an impact in terms of how to view them going forward. Uh, look, if you don't have your trade deadline yet, I mean, unless you have some reason to think that uh, Gregorius can keep this up this home run pace, I'd look to deal him. Uh, you know, I think that's that's the action that you could take there. But a uh, few other hitters of note, and one who's certainly on the rise is Tim Anderson. He extended his hit streak. He now has a, a seven-game hit streak on Wednesday against the Astros. Went two for four, hit his 11th home run, and his 16th double of the season. And so now over the last seven games, Anderson's gone 11 for 31. That's a 355 average. He's hit a couple of homers. Three doubles and a triple. So hitting for average, hitting for power. It's not a long streak, to be sure, but it's a a big uh, departure from what's been uh, a frustrating season, I'm sure, for Anderson and and a difficult one. And he has talked about how uh, the the death of a close friend of his back in in May, a friend uh, who was shot to death in in Alabama, um, you, you you can certainly understand. Uh, how Tim Anderson uh, has has struggled this year, uh, but he says that he now feels more like himself, and uh, he's certainly putting uh, putting some good results together. So uh, uh, Tim Anderson, I think, certainly deserves uh, you know, more of a break from, from fantasy owners. Uh, you know, seen some some pretty brutal things uh, said, and I mean, you know, we've seen this a lot with players where you know they're they're human beings and. Uh, it, you know, it's tough to do your job when uh, when you're dealing with, with uh, something like that. Uh, Ian Kinsler has also been uh, hitting very well of late. On Wednesday, went three for four against the Pirates with his 11th home run of the season, his 19th double of the season, and he reached base a total of four times. And over the second half, Kinsler's now got a 277 batting average with only a couple of homers and over a 24-game span. 
That's, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but a homer every 12 games. For Ian Kinsler, that's not really something you'd be horribly disappointed in. But he's also produced seven doubles and a couple of triples, uh, which is definitely far beyond what you would expect from Ian Kinsler. So a lot of power there, just not necessarily a lot of home run power. And the batting average, much improved. And Kinsler has been one of the few names that's really been floated in trade rumors now. Uh, of course, you know, trades being much scarcer after the uh, the pre-waiver deadline. But perhaps Kinsler's a, a name that, that goes, just like Justin Verlander. He's still uh, being discussed uh, in possible trade rumors. So uh, Kinsler, you know, a change of scenery. We'd have to see where that would be in order to really judge it. But certainly on his own merits, really picked up his production in the second half. And Albert Almora, another really nice game for him. He went two for three with his fifth homer of the season against uh, Madison Bumgarner and the Giants. Almora loves hitting lefties. He has 91 plate appearances so far this year against lefties. Um, also hit him well last year, too, but batting 342 with four home runs in just those 91 plate appearances. So, uh, unfortunately, that might be the end of his string of starts against lefties. Not clear whether or not Patrick Corbin's going to start against the Cubs on Saturday. That would be a nice one, though, to start Almora in your daily league. So keep an eye on that one. He's, he's widely available. So that is it, folks. That is all I've got for today. I will be back tomorrow, same time, with special guest Greg Jewett of FanRag Sports. So hope to see you then, and hope you enjoy the slate today. Stay tuned for On Target. <laughs>